is a joy to be here with you uh, this morning. I've looked forward um, to this day for quite a few weeks now, I guess it is, and uh, looking forward to uh, next Sunday, and then you'll have a little break from me, and then I reckon, unless something comes up, all of July I will be here, so you pray for those services, encourage you to invite uh, friends and family to be a part of those services in July, each Sunday. I do want to make just a quick mention. Um, I'm, a, I'm a proud patriot, I guess you could say, and so we want to take a moment to honor those who have so sacrificially uh, gave their life for us to enjoy the very freedom uh, that we are exercising this morning. Uh, those servicemen and women who have uh, gone on uh, before us, who lost their lives in battle, we certainly appreciate the sacrifice uh, that they make, but also want to uh, thank those who are currently uh, serving as well as that is, um, that is both an honor, uh, privilege, but also uh, something that goes beyond oneself uh, to serve a country. And so we are thankful for those. This morning, if you have your Bibles, if you'll find your way to the book of Matthew, the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter number 12, we're going to be thinking about one who is greater. One who is greater. When we say that Jesus is the greatest or or the great, or, or greater than anything else, what does uh, that really mean? Have we really given it much thought and much consideration? Uh, the book of Revelation says, in Revelation 5, it says, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and as such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Why must we as Christians recognize the greatness of Jesus? And that's what I want us to think about uh, this morning, let's read in Matthew chapter number 12. We got two different sections that I want us to look at. First one is in verses 1 uh, through verse number 8. The Bible says, And at that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? How he entered to the house of God, and they ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for them or his companions to eat, but only for the priest? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priest in the temple break the Sabbath and yet are guiltless. I tell you something greater than the temple is here. But if you have not, or if you have known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. 
Then if you'll skip down to verse number 38. Skipping down to verse 38. It says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said unto him, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was in was three days and three nights in the belly of a, of a well or a great fish, so for three days and three nights the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth. And the people of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah. And indeed something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to listen to the wisdom of Solomon and indeed something greater than Solomon is here. In this passage here in Matthew 12, Jesus makes three statements about his greatness that upset the Pharisees. He was definitely um, claiming his deity but he was also claiming his authority over the world. And that's kind of what I want us to look at uh, this morning. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful, God, that we have a a place to come and to worship you, God, and we pray that you would uh, remove any hindrances that would keep us from worshiping you in spirit and in truth. God, that you would put a hedge of protection around this place and God, that we would just lift you up on high. Lord, hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Uh, Father, that these people not see me, God, but they would see you. Lord, speak to our hearts today. Perhaps there's one here who is lost and undone without you. God, we pray that your hand would be upon them, Lord, that you would convict their heart. God, that they turn to you, that they be saved today before it's everlastingly too late. Lord, for that one that maybe is in a backslidden state, God, we pray that you would arrest their heart as well. God, that they would repent and return to you. Lord, give me the words now these dear folk need to hear. God, may we take and apply it in our life, wherever it may be needed. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. In seminary, they told us that the, the perfect sermon or the, good, the best preacher um, has a good introduction Two or three points and a good conclusion. And the closer that the introduction is to the conclusion, the better off you'll be. Right? Uh, So that's what we're going to do here this morning. So uh, saying that to say this, typically um, 20 minutes and uh, I've usually got my point across. And and, uh, psychology teaches us that within 20 minutes uh, you have lost interest anyway. And so about 20 minutes, Lord willing... Uh, we'll probably be wrapping things up. If not, we'll go 30 or 45 or hour, whatever y'all want, right? Uh, I'm just kidding. I'll get you out of here before the before the Methodist and the Presbyterian get you to the Mexican restaurant, all right? Uh, is that a thing over here? I'm not sure. Uh, usually, uh, we try to, to get to that Mexican place before the rest of them do, so we get the good side of the buffet, right? Um, I don't even know if y'all do buffets anymore here. That's kind of a thing in the past in a lot of places. But nonetheless, we won't go down that rabbit trail. Um, So three statements here that Christ made in regards to his greatness or his deity, 
his Godhead that he is, um, God in the flesh. And the first one is there in, in chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 8, uh, where Jesus is saying that he is greater than any church. Greater than any church. He was using the temple here as an illustration here. The Pharisees had a problem uh, with him plucking grain, his disciples plucking grain, uh, and eating on the Sabbath, as you'll find there in verses 1 and verse number 2 there. And uh, it's something how the Pharisees always had a problem, right? Uh, if you go throughout all the Gospels, anything that Jesus did or anything that his disciples did, it was automatically going to be an issue with uh, the Pharisees. They always found something wrong with what he was doing. And in verses 3 and 4, we find where Jesus gave his first example uh, of this legality of David and the showbread. Uh, he talks about uh, that, David going into uh, the um, temple there to partake of food because they were hungry. And he, so he, he questions almost their, their uh, stance on the legality of this happening. Uh, you know, it's interesting how there were innumerable restrictions. If you really study... Um, especially you can find a lot of this in the Old Testament, um, the law that these people had to follow in this time. Um, there are innumerable restrictions placed on the people, especially in regards to the Sabbath, in regards to holy days, in regards to festivals. There were so many restrictions that were imposed in the name of the law. And there are so many great principles that were lost in this mass of petty details that they were uh, going through. Not to, you can't do anything on the Sabbath under the law. Self-interest is what the Pharisees were all about. Uh, the Pharisees were religious uh, lawyers, I guess you could say. Uh, for lack of better terms, they were skilled scholars in the law of the land, um, and, and they professed religion, professed God, not Christianity, but they professed God and uh, the law of the land. And so they had it in their self-interest. He gave the first example of legality. His second example of legality was uh, the activity of the priest. On the Sabbath, you'll find this there in verse number uh, five, where uh, he comes uh, talks about how these priests treat the Sabbath as any other day. Uh, you know, and and it's interesting to uh, make mention of of this because I think that is the problem in society today. Uh, the Sabbath, God's day, day of rest. Uh, we we do this old Sunday is our day of worship. Uh, where's people at? You know, we look at this church, and we look at the history of this church. You, uh, I, I can tell you countless churches, not only in the, uh, the Baptist uh, realm, but also in other uh, realms. Your, your Methodists and your Presbyterians and your, even your, some of your Pentecostal groups. Uh, how that Sunday seems to be just like any other day. Uh, people do not have uh, concern anymore. I watched... Uh, 
some days gone by of some great evangelists in the years. Uh, I called him on Billy Graham and, and uh, the crusades that he would hold and, and stadiums filled with people. Now, how, how likely would it be today to get people to come to hear a message denouncing sin, uplifting Christ, how many people want to hear that? You know, we don't want to hear that today, do we? We don't want to hear what sin is. We don't want to hear uh, Christ and him crucified and, and he's the only way for you to get to heaven. We don't want to hear that. We'd rather do other things. And Jesus gave this same example he, and he calls them out, so to speak. How are you to say that my disciples and myself cannot pluck grain and eat because we're hungry on the Sabbath? When you are doing the same things, when this is just another day for you, Jesus is greater. Notice in verse 6, he is greater even than the temple because he is God. Because he's God. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so Jesus says, I am greater than this temple. I am greater than this law. I am greater than anyone or anything because of who I am. Verses 7 and 8, as God, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. There is no denomination, there is no church that is greater than he is. He is greater than... This church, he is greater than uh, our uh, county association. He is greater than the uh, Southern Baptist Convention. He is greater uh, than any other. There is none greater than him. And this means that we must be careful of being too narrow-minded in our denominationalism. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, it's not good to have our denomination. I'm just saying Oftentimes we lose focus of where we need to be. If Jesus is not in the center of it, then we need to repent and we need to turn back. Jesus is greater than any church. Secondly, over in verse 38, we find where Jesus is greater than any preacher or prophet. And he gave an illustration here of Jonah in verses 38 through verse 41 and he talks about verses 38 and 39 where this evil generation was looking for some kind of sign and uh, jesus talked about the sign they would receive is like the sign of of jonah jonah was in the uh the fish's belly the great whale some translators say a great fish um this great fish that swallowed up Jonah. Jonah was living in sin. We all know the story, uh, how he ended up in uh, deep water, literally, right, uh, in, the, in the fish's belly. And Jonah even said that he was in hell. Can you imagine for a moment? I don't know if any of you guys like to fish. Uh, I'd like to fish when I had time. Um, always, if y'all have heard of Grenada, uh, Grenada Lake, uh, we used to go to Grenada Lake, Sardis, um, this is Mississippi folk, uh, Mississippi areas that I'm mentioning. Um, we used to go there all the time when I was a kid, camping, whatnot, and fishing. And fish stinks, right? Uh, can you imagine being in the belly of a fish 
for three days. And, and it talks of a well, and if you know anything about uh, whales, whales uh, do what? They eat smaller fish, right? And so if you're in this sea, and you're out in a sea, and this whale is eating whatever it can find, seaweed, fish, everything else that it can get um, in, in, in within itself, and then, it's, and then Jonah is in there, so he has all of this other that he's swimming in, right, for three days and three nights. I can imagine, although hell would be far worse, but to Jonah, he was what he thought in hell. Jesus gave this sign. Jonah was a prophet who um, held a great revival. This is in Jonah chapter 3, if you wanted to look at it. Uh, matter of fact, Jonah uh, ran from God, wanted to get away from God, and he went to the total opposite direction of where God had told him to do, landed him in some trouble. He repented. He went back to Nineveh, preached this revival, and the people of God turned from their sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about how the king declared a uh, kind of like a holiday and how they, they rent their clothes and sat in ashes, signifying how they have tore away the oldness of life, the old idol worship, the old, the old whatever they was doing. And they turned away. Jonah was a great prophet. But Jonah was as good as a dead man in the belly of that fish for those three days and those three nights. Jesus is greater than Jonah because of his literal death, his burial, and his resurrection, as you'll find there in verses 40 and verse number 41. Matter of fact, Revelation chapter 1 says that I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and the keys of hell, and I have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus is greater. He's greater than any preacher. He's greater than any prophet. He'll be, he, he's greater than I am. He's greater than any pastor that has ever uh, stood behind this sacred desk. He's greater than, than William Carey. He's greater than, than even uh, Charles Spurgeon or D.L. Moody or A.W. Tozer, whoever your hearts desire. Jesus is greater. He's greater. There is no preacher. There is no prophet greater than the Lord Jesus. And no true preacher or prophet will lead one contrary to the teachings and the deity of Jesus Christ. He's greater than any church, gave the example of the temple. He's greater than any preacher or prophet, gave the example of Jonah. And then thirdly, Jesus is greater than any theologian or wise man. He is greater than any theologian or wise man. And he gave the illustration here of Solomon. Solomon was a great uh, man of wisdom, um, solid knowledge. And he, uh, matter of fact, if you wanted to find this, you could go back to 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 1 and chapter 9. And it talks about how the queen of Sheba wanted to check this out for herself. She wanted to see this man of such great wisdom. 
And we find where Jesus references that, and, and he says that even more so than Solomon, he said, there is one greater than your midst. And he was referring uh, there to himself. Jesus is greater. He's greater than, I'm sure most of you know um, who John Wesley was. John Wesley was the founder of the original uh, Methodist movement. Um, he was an Anglican priest before that, uh, never actually converted. That's a, uh, a myth that a lot of people are not aware of. He was, he was an Anglican priest the day he died. Uh, he never converted to his own movement uh, per se, but he was a great theologian. He um, specialized, I guess you could, he focused more on the holiness way of living, which nothing wrong with that. I think even us, us Baptists are scared of that word though, right? Uh, but he focused on holiness and, and uh, seeking sanctification from God. He was a great theologian, but Jesus was greater. Warren Wearsby, one of my favorites, um, I have several of his uh, commentaries, his books, as great of a theologian as he is, Jesus is greater. St. Ignatius, one of the great theologians of the um, Catholic, Anglo-Catholic um, faith, had some really good ideas. But there's one greater than he. Uh, Andrew Fuller, another great Baptist theologian. Um, W.A. Griswell, another great one. Um, highly respected, but none compare to Jesus. He is greater. No theologian, no wise man is above Christ. No one is. Therefore, we need to be careful that we do not place these teachings of our teachers above the teachings of Jesus Christ. As good as they are, I know I have great respect, especially for Warren Wearsby, have great respect for his teachings. But it will never go above the teachings of our Lord. He is greater. I pose this question to you this morning. In your life, is Jesus greater? Now, we have a lot of great things. We have, I heard some mentioning grandchildren uh, this morning. Um, you know, we have a lot of great things in our life. We have our families, um, those that are married. You have your husbands, your wives. You have children. You have your children. And in your eyes, they are the greatest, right? I used to teach at a at a uh, Christian school back in Mississippi, and and uh, I, um, I it was short-lived career. All right, uh, not so much because of the the it, it was more or less because I find it amazing, and I hope I don't offend anyone. I know we live in an, a very uh, offend-friendly uh, society, uh, but it it was so amazing that out of thirty kids in a classroom. Every single one of those kids were the greatest in their parents' eyes, and that they that one would never do whatever it is they was doing, right? Um, we have a lot of greatness in our lives. But is Jesus greater? I have uh, several people I, 
um, that I play music with down through the years, and a uh, few of them couldn't keep up. I, um, I guess y'all could tell, I don't know much about uh, music. I, I, I can't count time at, at all. I, I have no sense of time. I, I don't know nothing about time and notes. And I had a bass player. He's a preacher friend of mine. He actually was in my ordination service, and um, he plays bass guitar. And we tried to get together one one afternoon, and we was going to have this great idea of we was going to have just a song service at church, and he was going to play the bass, and I was going to play the piano, and then the lady in the church was going to play the organ, and we was just going to have this great music service, right? Nobody could keep up with Justin. Um, you know, it was, it was a train wreck, but nonetheless, uh, we still had our music service. Um, but I say that to say, even as great as some may be, they're not greater than Christ. And if we lose our focus on Christ, then whatever else is taking its place has become very much like these Pharisees, these Ninevites, these others. They have other gods in our life, and we must be careful for that. So I pose this question, is Christ greater in your life? And if not, I trust that he becomes greater, the greatest, the preeminence in your life. As we stand together this morning, do y'all do a hymn of invitation or um, is, is somebody, do I dismiss? I should have asked that to start with. Uh, but uh, if, if you can stand, we'll stand. I'll say a word of prayer and we'll uh, be dismissed this morning and if you need me, I'm here for you. Be glad to talk with you, pray with you, whatever we need to do. All right, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful. God, we've had this time to worship you. Lord, to look into your word and Lord, to learn. And God, we pray that as we leave this place this morning and as we go back out into this world that Lord, we would show the world, we would show those around us how great you are. And Lord, I trust that they see your greatness within our lives. Help us to be that light that shines in such dark times. Lord, we pray again that if there is one here who is lost, Lord, that they would come to know you in a real and personal way. Lord, we pray for safety, as I know many will be traveling over this weekend. And God, we pray for your safety, your grace, and watch care over us. And Lord, bring us back at the next appointed time. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.